following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. I think the, uh, the church has um, lost its way, I, I guess, Maybe it's an identity crisis, a midlife crisis. I don't know. It's a crisis of not knowing how to, uh, how to fit in in the world. Uh, how to act as Christians. How should Christians react to and respond to the culture today? And I see this all the time, more and more and more. Christians really confused about how they should respond to different things within the culture. And so you get all kinds of responses, a whole variety of different ways to approach the culture. And, and you look at the church worldwide, Catholic church, Protestant church, all the churches, you see a huge variety and we're all Christians, and yet there are so many different expressions of our faith because the world has changed. I mean, the world is completely different. In the, from, you compare 1950 to today, it's like two different worlds altogether. Just how uh, things were back in the 50s and how they are now. I mean, the big deal in, in school in the 50s was, you know, running in the hallway or chewing gum. Now you can be killed. Um, you, you know, you, you might be murdered at school. And, and, and just school, government, Hollywood, TV. I mean, the things you see on TV today you would have never seen in the 50s. And so it seems like the whole world, at least let's, let's talk about America, our country, our nation, has moved very far away from God. So it turned its back on God, and you, people say, well, this is a Christian nation, but it sure doesn't seem like it. It doesn't feel like we're a Christian nation, just in the changes that I have seen in my own lifetime of how the culture has turned away from God and and in many ways it, we were a, a nation once um, supportive or at least encouraging of of faith and community and and now it seems even antagonistic and opposed to and the, you have the big three you know sex abortion and homosexuality and the church not able to respond to that you know you have all kinds of responses. You can go to a church today, and uh, so they're, they're trying to hold on to, to the way things were. You know, there's a church up in Everett, and all they do are hymns. And, um, and everybody's dressed to the nines. And it's like going to that church is like stepping back to 1970. You know, it's how church was then, and they don't want that to change at all. And then so you have... All these different responses. And the problem is Christians don't know how to be Christians. In 1950, in the, during the 50s, I think it's 53 or something like that, um, Richard Niebuhr wrote a book called Christ and Culture. And it was this exact issue. He was saying that there are three responses as a Christian to the culture. One is that Christ is above the culture. One is that he's below the culture. 
and one is that he's in the culture. Above the culture is that we stand in judgment over the culture. And so, as a Christian, we are not engaged with the culture. We are separate from the culture. And we stand as a judgment of. And so, we, uh, we correct all the wrongs and all the sins. And everything, you know, that comes out of Hollywood that is evil or immoral. We curse it. We rebuke it. We boycott anything that Starbucks says that is anti-Christian or anything in politics. We are against it. We fight against. We attack And we judge. That's us above the culture. Below the culture is we're just, we just totally disengage. We we are um, uh, not a part of the culture. We separate from it. We have nothing to do. It's almost like you live two lives. You know, you have your life here at church. You know, you come in, you do your little Christian thing. And then when you go out there, you're a different. That's your other life. That's the other life that you live. Nobody knows you're a Christian. You don't talk about your faith. Don't talk about Christianity. Never bring it into conversations. You're essentially, uh, you know, in the culture, but not a part of it at all. You have separated yourself from it. And you kind of develop this attitude of disgust and disdain or even just fear and not knowing how to respond or what to say. Third response is that you're in the culture, so you're fully engaged with the culture and also your faith at the same time. Fully devoted to Christ, following the biblical mandate and model that he laid out for us as Christians, how we should be as Christians, obedient disciples of Christ, and in the culture. So, so living and thriving in Babylon, in the, in the environment that our culture is today, we are in that and thriving, a part of it, engaged in it, on the team, on the field, playing, being a part of the whole community. So I believe that the correct response to, uh, for us is to be that middle one, to be in the culture, but not of it. So we're, we're renewed in our minds, we're being transformed by the scriptures, by our relationship with Christ, our fellowship with one another, but we're also fully engaged in the culture. You know, a funny thing about Jesus, I think a really cool thing about Jesus, is that he was, um, he was loved by, quote, sinners. You know, we kind of, that's kind of a funny term, we don't really use that in our day. I don't go around calling people sinners, but it was a term for people who were uh, not religiously inclined or not as moral as the Christ or the, the you know the the Jews at that time, the religious leaders, and so um, uh, you know they would refer to them as sinners or you know so it was a, a derogatory term, and uh, and so. Uh, Jesus, John said that Jesus was loved by sinners, that they loved being around him. They weren't turned off by Jesus. They enjoyed being around him. Nobody had an encounter with Jesus and left that encounter feeling like he didn't love them or unloved or rejected by him. And so uh, our, our, I believe our responsibility, how we fit in, how we are to respond is to be fully engaged in the culture. If you're not, if you, if you take a position of righteousness, but then are disengaged from the culture, what will happen is over time you'll become more and more cynical. 
more and more judgmental, more and more critical. You will constantly be irritated by what you read in politics and and, in media and different things that you see at work and at school. It'll get under your skin and you'll be irritated and, and you'll begin to respond negatively if you are not engaged but pursuing righteousness. So it's very important, I believe, for the church today to change. We've got to change. We must respond and become engaged in the culture in such a way that we can give a great answer and a response to these critical issues. That we can love the community with the love of Christ in a way that they get it, they know God loves them, and they respond to faith. Being a light in a dark world. That is the whole point of this series. That's the whole point of this series. To help you see that you are, as a Christian, you are the light of the world. And you, are, you can be fully engaged with a culture. You won't lose your salvation or lose your faith or become immoral. But you can be fully devoted to Christ and engage the culture. I hope that you will get that from this series. As I talk to other leaders and pastors and Christians, you can see they're all wrestling with this. How are we supposed to be? How do we respond? How are we supposed to fit in? In this film, uh, Bruce Almighty, a uh, hilarious film. I love Jim Carrey. Uh, I think he's really a funny guy. Um, he is ticked off about how his life is taken, going so far. I mean, he uh, gets fired, his car breaks down, he's having relationship problems, and his life isn't turning out the way he wants to, and so he's really upset about it. And so in this first clip, we're going to see kind of the, the whole point of how he's blaming God for all of the troubles and trials that he has in his life. And so then he ends up making this deal with God, God being Morgan Freeman, uh, God giving him all of his powers and say, fine, if you're going to complain about me that much, here, you can have my power and you be God. And, uh, and so the whole thing is very hilarious. But let's, here's, here's the first clip kind of setting up the whole process. Kitty baby whiners? That's what that stands for! I'll see you on Channel 5, where they do the real news. Walking. What? What? Oh, that's what I got. 
That's what I get for trying to help someone. Oh, don't look at me, Walter. My payments, I guess. That's that is my reward. Just, just get a clue. Well, thank God you're all right. God, yeah. Let's thank God, shall we? For His blessings are raining down upon me. Wait, that's not rain. Bruce, please don't do that, honey. You know that everything happens for a reason. That I don't need. That is a cliche. That is not helpful to me. A bird in the hands or two in the bush. I have no bird. I have no bush. God has taken my bird in my bush. Oh, I see. So, so God is picking on you? Is that what you're saying? No, he's ignoring me completely. He's far too busy giving Evan everything he wants. Oh, that's great, Sam. But you missed your target. I'm over here. Don't get mad at the dog. It's not the dog's fault. No, it's God's fault. I gave him the wrong coordinates. You know what? No. All right, will you stop being such a martyr? I am not being a martyr. I'm a victim. God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. All right, sweetheart, I know that you're mad. It's completely understandable. What Evan did is slimy and wrong, but this day could have been so much worse. I'm just glad you're okay. Okay? Newsflash! I'm not okay. I'm not okay with a mediocre job. I'm not okay with a mediocre apartment. I'm not okay with a mediocre life! You think that we have a mediocre life? Don't make this about you. <laughs> about me? How can I make this about me? It's about you. It's always about you. Perfect. Perfect. I'll have the worst day of my life with a side order of guilt, please. Okay, God. You want me to talk to you? What should I do? Give me a signal. I need your guidance, Lord. Please send me a sign. Oh, what's this joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right? Lord, I need a miracle. I need your help, Lord. Please reach into my life. Uh, what the?
sorry. Don't know you. I wouldn't call you if I did. If you saw the movie, you'd know that the, um, <laughs> the, pa- the pager, that kind of dates the film, um, is a, a call from God wanting to uh, talk to him. So God's reaching out to him through his pager. You ever feel like that? You know, feel like God just, he's doing really good with everybody else. I mean, you can think of two or three people that you know. And God is taking really good care of them. But when it comes to you, he is not doing so good. You know, he's on vacation. He's somewhere else. I mean, he's, he is not available. I mean, you pray. I mean, you're pouring out your heart. You're just crying out to God. Oh, God. And he is just not listening. He's not there. I mean, you pray and your prayers just go thud on the floor. And God is not there. I mean, he is just nowhere. He is not meeting your needs. He is not. I mean, he could just go like that, solve all your problems, change everything. But he's just not doing it. Life isn't fair. You ever feel like that way? You ever feel like uh, you can do a better job? Have you ever thought to yourself, maybe you don't say it, but you think, you know, if I had God's powers, there's a few things I would take care of. You know, there's a few things I would fix. I would right a few wrongs in my life. There's definitely, I mean, I, you know, you're seeing the sick part of my heart, but there's definitely a few people I would mess with, you know. Like tomorrow morning, <laughs> they would have some problems if I was God. Thank God I'm not. But here's a great um, perspective, I think, that we need to have in moments like this. When you feel like life is unfair, life has dealt you a, a bag of lemons, and, you know, just things aren't going well, maybe you're in a trial, you're in a hard, difficult place right now. This is something that I try and remind myself of and just to get the right perspective. If you could think of it like medicine or a pill, you know, it's not. But uh, think of it in that term. This would be a good cure for the problem that Bruce has, you and I can identify with. And that is that if you look and you read the Bible, you go to the very end, you can see how this whole thing ends up because in the end we win we win we're on the winning team if you go to the very end you see that we win in the end all the wrongs become right all the things that have been done to you get fixed all the problems get solved everything gets put back the way it should be the whole universe is restored that verse in Romans, all things work together for good. It all comes about and becomes good. We win in the end. We're part of the winning team. Devil loses, we win. Three weeks ago, this, the Hawks were playing the Bucks here in Seattle. And, uh, um, oh, maybe it wasn't the Bucks. Uh, anyway, it, was, um, uh, it wasn't the Bucks. 
Now I'm trying, I got to remember which team it was. But um, uh, we're, we're playing, and uh, it was a 10 a.m. game. So it couldn't have been the Bucks. But anyway, 10 a.m. And uh, so here I'm at church. You know, my heart's all full of conflict. You know, I'm trying to focus on my sermon. And I'm, I want to check the score. I'm thinking about the game. And so the end of the service, like, hi, yeah, fine. You got problems. I'm leaving. Get in my car. Take off. I'm rushing home. And, and I just I can't stand it. So I flick on the radio catch the last part of the game and I hear it's 21-0 we're losing which team was that? you guys have no idea (laughs) anyway was it Tampa Bay? okay I thought it was and they hadn't won a game yet right? they're like 0-7 and And so we're down 21 points and I'm, I'm devastated. I'm just, I'm stressed to the max. I'm grabbing that steering wheel and just gripping this thing. And I, you know, I got halfway home and I realized, you know, just lighten up here. But I'm so stressed out. Well, we had this incredible comeback at the end. Amazing. They end up winning the game. And that was the most deficit comeback they'd ever had as a team. It was just amazing. It was awesome. Ah, yeah. We won. It was so cool. But how would that game be if you had already seen it and you knew the outcome? So somehow, you know, you go into the future or or you, the game was recorded for you earlier. And so you saw from beginning to end and now you're sitting there watching the game that last five minutes and everybody in the room is stressed out. They're on the edge of their seats. They're thinking, oh man, we always choke. We always choke every season. You know, it looks, we start out good and then we fail and you're all uptight. You think they're going to lose and people are leaving the stadium and it's over. There's no time. It's so stressed out. But you, you're just kicking back. You're totally relaxed. You're like, yeah, we win. Are you kidding me? We're losing. There's no, no, we win. I've seen the end. I know. We win. You're totally at peace. You have this confidence. You see, hope, that the English word hope, it doesn't really fit the biblical word for hope. The biblical word for hope is more along the lines of confidence. You see, a confidence in God and in His goodness that gives us this optimism as Christians. This optimism about life because we win in the end. We're on the winning team. And so you have a different perspective about life. Life is unfair. Yeah, but we win. We win. All this will be put right someday, some way. There's redemption in Christ and God is good and you can bank on that. And that's our cure, if you will. For the life is not fair emotion. In this next clip, uh, really, I think the funniest part of the movie. And, uh, and then also we see that although Bruce now has God's power, he can mess with people, he can control things. He can't make Grace, his girlfriend, he can't make her love him. Here it is. Welcome. 
Welcome to Eyewitness News at 6 with Susan Ortega, Evan Baxter, Fred Donahue, Sports, Dallas Coleman, Weather, and now Buffalo's number one news team. Good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News at 6. I'm Susan Ortega. And I'm Evan Baxter and here's what's making news. A potential scandal with the Buffalo PD surfaced today when the mayor... Somebody get some water, please. That looks like my new co-anchor may need a glass of water. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. What did he just say? Check the prompter. Just fine. Evan, read the copy, please. The copy's good. Just read it. The White House Reception Committee greeted the prime rib roast minister, and I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. <laughs> I like a do the cha-cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. In other news... My apologies. Hey, this is Bruce, Grace, and Sam. Leave a message. Grace, are you there? Hello, it's me. Hello, 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 hello. Come on, Grace. Come to the party. I'll call you later, okay?
that's interesting because yeah. Uh, yeah, I never thought we would ever talk. Grace! Why didn't you thought like Susan's mouth was the phone? I, she kissed me. I, I, I'm the kissing. Yeah, you were putting up a really big fight. I tried to fight her off. I tried to stop her, but she's really strong. Okay, I screwed up. Can I make it up to you? Yeah. Why don't you uh, get me a boat, Bruce? What? Yeah, a big boat. And then maybe two big bags of cash. Then, then I'll be happy. Lots of money and lots of stuff. Other people want idiotic crap like getting married or having babies with a man that they've loved for five years. But not me, Bruce. Just give me the boat. I wonder who stayed single. Grace, don't do this. I'm not doing this. I'm undoing it. I'll be at Debbie's. You take care of Sam until I can make arrangements. You can't leave me. I'm the alpha lady. What's the matter, Bruce? She can't handle a little competition? The game's been called on account of rain. An unusually high number of lottery winners has New York officials concerned. So far, 1,100 winning tickets have been turned in. Strangely, from the Buffalo area. More on this story as it develops. Enjoying your party? Nothing like spending quality time with great friends, huh? Grace left me. Yeah, I know. She'll take me back. She'll take me back, right? Would she take you back? somebody love you without affecting free will welcome to my world son you come up with an answer to that one you let me know god created us with the ability to choose for ourselves and make our own choices because in doing so it gives us the ability to experience love You see, love is one of those things that it can't be forced. Because if it is, then it instantly stops being love. I mean, it isn't love unless you can give it freely. Unless you give it on your own choosing, you know? You don't, if, if, it's, if it's not something you can give freely of your own choosing, then it's something else is not love. And so the greatest thing in the universe... Giving and receiving love and knowing love, knowing God. God is love. Not that he's loving. He is love. And so when God gave us the capacity to love and to feel love and to know love and to be loved, he also gave us the capacity to not love, to reject, to make bad choices, 
to choose wrong. And when people choose wrong, when people choose selfish ways or selfish things, it hurts us. And then all of a sudden, life isn't fair. Here's another remedy. Two. Two remedies. They're not simple, yet they are simple. I mean, they're profound, and yet they're so basic. The best response is to dive into the deeper things of life. The things that give life great value. And that's humility and kindness. I mean, these are two things that our world doesn't get to see too much of. I mean, when's the last time you saw a display of kindness? You know, loving someone and giving them mercy when they didn't deserve it. When's the last time you saw humility displayed before you? I mean, it's rare. It's not something our culture sees very often. And so it's up to us. It's our responsibility as a light in this world to be people of humility and kindness, to prefer one another over ourselves, you know, to, to, to submit to someone else, to serve them, to give them a chance to, to move up and move beyond you have more than you. Some people think that humility means weakness or, uh, you know, or just being a doormat. And just the opposite, actually. Jesus wasn't a doormat. He wasn't weak. And yet he was perfectly humble. Humility is strength that is held in check. It's that I could crush you, but I choose not to. I choose to uphold you and to cover your sins as love covers a multitude of sins. I choose to show kindness and mercy. Yeah, I could nail you. I could point out all your sins. I could, I could judge you. Instead, I prefer kindness and love. You see, when we are the light of the world, it's because we're loving the world. It's because we're fully engaged in the world in such a way that they see something completely different in us. They look at Christians and they don't go, ooh. They go, wow. How does he so optimistic in the midst of all these things? What does he have all that hope? Where does she get all of that kindness and humility? It's something rare. It's something that we don't see. But when we demonstrate it, it causes our light to shine brightly in this world. This last clip is kind of the culmination of everything in Bruce's life, and he finally gets it. He understands it. Here it is. I surrender to your will! 
Am I? You can't kneel down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. But why? Why now? Bruce, you have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know. I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. What do you want me to do? I want you to pray, son. Go ahead. Use them. Um, Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. How's that? Quick. If you want to be Miss America. <laughs> now, come on. What do you really care about? Alive, son. Someone up there must like you. I hear all that stuff winds up in a warehouse somewhere.
he finally gets it in the end and he realizes that it's not what you say, it's what you do that makes a difference in somebody else's life. I think it's real easy for us to say we're a follower of Christ or to say that following Jesus is the right path, it's the right thing to do, it's the only way. It's a lot different to show somebody that by loving them, by serving them, by being a light to them. We will not influence our community and our world as long as our focus is all on us. His focus changed. It went from him to what he wanted for her. What do you want for our community? You want those that you know to experience the best life possible, to experience the incredible love of Christ, the love that you feel from God, Is that what you want for them? Then let's show them that love. There's anything that you get from this whole series about engaging the culture and the movies and all this stuff. That's what we want you to see. Is that when we fully engage with the culture, it is on the basis of love and showing that love. Not just talking about it, but showing it. 